Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Friday, the 1st of October. Wow, Katrina Blowers, can you believe we've got to this point of the year? I know, this year has gone past in an absolute blur, but looking forward to Christmas now. I guess we can start talking about Christmas as a thing, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess <laughs> we don't know whether you Queenslanders will be able to come and visit us in other states, but many other things will be possible, so that's good. Oh, let's hope so. On today's briefing, a really interesting topic, what it's like to be openly pro-vaccine in the Byron Bay Shire. We've seen businesses who refuse to wear masks and refuse to have their staff wear masks. And there has been abuse in the street by non-wearing mask people to people who are wearing masks. So the divide is real here. Yes, so there's massive division on masks as well as vaccines. Um, It's a really interesting part of the country with a really interesting um, range of subcultures. Uh, Vaccine rates around Byron are way below the New South Wales average. Mm. We'll find out how that plays out on the streets and the risks that those people face as the state opens up. And of course, don't forget to get involved in the briefing quiz on Instagram. It gets posted on Friday afternoons. And if you've listened to the headlines very carefully, don't worry, you'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's not too tricky and it is fun. I I usually do it uh, on Friday afternoons and I'm usually sometimes a little impressed with myself, sometimes a bit disappointed (laughs) with myself at how I go. Especially if you've been on the show that day. I know. (laughs) Um, Speaking of headlines, here are today's. This Sunday's NRL Grand Final is on a cliffhanger with the Queensland COVID cluster. The next 48 hours are going to be really critical with case numbers. League bosses are warning they could even delay the game if COVID restrictions get too strict because they just don't want to play the game in front of an empty stadium. So there were six new cases yesterday and they reduced the crowd by 25%, which means that 13,000 people who had tickets now can't go to the game. I know. People were finding out last night via text message whether they were in or whether they were out. That would have been an anxious wait. So the total for this recent outbreak, it's several clusters, it's got to 22. And South East Queensland and Townsville, which is meant to be the alternative grand final location, are now under stage two restrictions. And let me make it very clear that the health of Queenslanders comes first. And as soon as Dr Young says we need to go move into a lockdown, we will. That was Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk there responding to a question about whether she was putting the league final ahead of the health of Queensland. There's a lot Mm. of conjecture here in Queensland as to, you know, whether we would have already been in lockdown had it not been for the NRL grand final on Sunday. A lot of cynical people. But the Premier and also the Chief Health Officer say they've so far been able to contact trace the source of every single outbreak so they know where it's come from. There's no mystery case. And the second that we get a mystery case, which hopefully we won't today, fingers crossed, that's when they'll put us into lockdown. Okay, so there's a bit of nuance there. It's not just, you know, are there 22 cases? It's mm. uh, are there mystery cases? What's your view? Do you think if, if it wasn't for the grand final this weekend, South East Queensland at least would be in lockdown by now? It's been really tricky, this situation, because we've seemed to have gone into lockdown for far fewer cases in the past. Uh, We've got a reputation in Queensland for going hard and going early. Mm. So I guess we're all sitting around scratching our heads wondering, why is it a bit different this time? We did go into stage two restrictions, which, you know, we can't stand while we eat and drink and there are fewer people allowed to your house, that Mm. kind of thing. But it certainly seems weird that we're not in lockdown already. Well, illegal AFL grand final parties are to blame for Victoria's shocking COVID case number yesterday. 
case numbers jumped almost 500 in one day to a record 1,438. So around a third of our cases today, we think are due directly to those different types of social gatherings as people have dropped their guard. That's Victorian COVID-19 Response Commander Jerome Weimar there. Authorities called those grand final parties citywide super spreading events, revealing there That's are fun. now active COVID cases in every Melbourne LGA. Yeah, and so far, they said yesterday, there's no evidence that the big protests in the construction sector were big super spreading events. But they also said that the sort of people who attended those protests are not the kinds of people that would front up for testing. So they yeah, can't really, really tell. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> and last week, there was an earthquake. This week, a tornado. Wild times in Australia at the moment. Oh, just par for the course for 2021. Hey, uh, yesterday, a tornado injured three people and damaged homes in small towns near Bathurst in New South Wales. Yeah, so these tiny towns really copped it. The winds tore roofs off homes, um, toppled trees onto cars and left a path of destruction 30 kilometres long. Meanwhile, parts of regional Victoria are on alert for flooding with rain expected to continue across the east of the state today. Yeah, and the, the day before yesterday, um, the creek at my parents' place um, in the Adelaide Hills flooded. So this weather system moving east across the country has been um, a pretty wild one. And Britney Spears says she is on cloud nine after a Los Angeles court removed her father from her conservatorship. Yeah, here's her lawyer, Matthew Rosengart, breaking the news to fans outside LA's Superior Court. I'm so pleased and proud to say Jamie Spears is no longer a conservator. An LA judge yesterday morning said Jamie Spears' involvement in the conservatorship, which started way back in 2008, was, wait for it, toxic. Why can when judges have a sense of humour? Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. Um, so the conservatorship will be temporarily filled by an accountant instead of Jamie Spears uh, while it remains in place. And then in November, there's going to be a hearing assessing whether that uh, whole process should end completely. All right, in a moment, we'll take you to Byron Bay. In this briefing, the backlash faced by pro-vaxxers in the Byron Bay Shire. So the Northern Rivers of New South Wales has a big reputation and also a long history of vaccine hesitancy. Child vaccination rates in the Northern Rivers are Australia's lowest. The most recent figures from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare show that in Mullumbimby, one of the towns in the Byron Shire, only 48% of children are fully immunised compared to the national figure of 94.9%. And now as New South Wales moves to open up, Byron Bay is the least vaccinated LGA in the whole state. They have a 38% double dose figure compared to the state average, which is at 63%. So they're a long way behind. We'll speak to the Mayor of Byron Shire about why that is. He's been criticised for not actively encouraging locals to get the jab. And obviously there's a a lot of stereotypes and a lot of heat that flies around this issue. So just to be clear, we're not demonising the locals or exaggerating the problem here because with a 65% single dose figure in Byron, clearly the majority of people are getting vaccinated, but there is a substantial and very vocal minority who aren't. 
So we're going to go to a Mullumbimby local who's really been feeling the heat from those vocal anti-vaxxers. Nikki Yazdi is a youth worker and one of the founders of the Mullumbimby Flattening the Curve Facebook group. Nikki, thanks for joining us. How strong is that anti-vaccination sentiment on the streets of Mullum? There has been some very terrible public moments happen where people are abused. We've seen businesses who actually refuse to allow people in who have been vaccinated. Spooky yeah. things like shedding, which is not even true. It's not even factual. We've seen businesses who refuse to wear masks and refuse to have their staff wear masks. And there has been abuse in the street by non-wearing mask people to people who are wearing masks. So the divide is real here. Even though they're a minority, there's a lot of people who are unemployed. Some are homeless. There's a lot of mental health issues. And these things play into that as well. It's a sad situation. We see it in the social media in particular because, you know, there's a lot of community groups across the Byron Shire and in those community groups, a lot of them, you know, if someone posts something that's pro-vaccine, all of a sudden the anti-vaccine mob will jump on them and it becomes a very bullying scene. I'm part of a group called Mullumbimby Flattening the Curve and, you know, we are 100% evidence and science-based information, nothing conspiracy, everything's factual and it's a bit of a haven for those people who want genuine information. We have a lot of doctors and nurses and health workers and those in the community who really want that factual information without wading through the crap. Is it less about the real health outcomes related to vaccines and the various diseases that they work against and more about the identity of these people, how they want to be seen within the broader society, that they want to take an alternative viewpoint no matter what it is? Yes, definitely. This whole wellness movement, but then you've got this influencer movement as well. And I can see where the conflict comes for many of them and I really understand where their attitudes come from. It's just sad that something that should be good, healthy choices no longer includes the good, healthy choices when it comes to what we know about vaccines from history. Nikki Yazdi from Mullum near Byron there. So I guess we should find out how dangerous this low vaccination rate will be as the state opens up. We've got epidemiologist Professor Mary Louise McLaws. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, What problems will this low vaccination rate create for this part of New South Wales? Well, it will start to present a lot of problems once everything opens up in New South Wales in December. Basically, Byron Bay is the place to go. It's beautiful, but it basically means that people from Sydney or Queensland or anywhere, in fact, who wants to get to the coast, who has not been fully vaccinated, may bring into Byron Bay a nasty infection, COVID, with them. So I'm very concerned that you'll see a wave of infection, not just in the locals of Byron Bay, but of those who've come to visit Uh, who will take back infection to where they've come from and will start to see like bushfires in every location that the visitors have come from. So if you could speak directly to someone who is vaccine hesitant in this area, what's a simple way that you would explain why they should get vaccinated and the extra harm or risk they're creating by not getting vaccinated? I would say to them that they are incredibly woke when it comes to caring about the community and caring about each other. 
And so take that care, that social conscience to health as well. Get vaccinated for yourself, those you live with, your household, those you love, but also those you don't know who may be immunosuppressed, who may be elderly and who won't deal with this virus very well. So anecdotally, what we're hearing is that a lot of people who are hesitant, they're people who love to eat organic food and live that natural lifestyle, and they're concerned that they're putting something that they don't understand into their body. Well, I'd remind them that if they do get COVID and they go to hospital, there'll be many medications that they will be exposed to to try to save their lives. So you really don't want to have that experience. And vaccines have been around for a very long time. And I think they're overthinking it. And these vaccines, while they've got to marketplace rapidly, they certainly haven't been rushed at all. They've had a long time to be examined in hundreds of thousands of participants who've been good enough to put their arms out as participants in phase three trials in Brazil, in Europe, in the UK. And I think we need to honour what they have done for us to show us that they are safe. And in fact, I don't think any vaccine has ever been examined to the minuscule uh, Mm -hmm. safety and what we call immunogenicity than this particular group of vaccines for COVID. I've just read that Google is going to be Mm -hmm. starting to shut down false information via YouTube and they're going to start to get very tough on uh, the spread of fake and false information about treatments and about vaccines, which is a bit slow because, you know, this false information gets a a speed on it, but at least it's happening. So it'll be very difficult for anti-vaxxers to spread their views. And don't forget, anti-vaxxers often cherry-pick science rather than look across the broad range. And I think that New South Wales Health will tell locals that vaccines has saved hundreds of thousands of lives. That was Professor Mary Louise McClaws. Now, someone who's found themselves um, right in the middle of this passionate vaccination debate in Byron is their interim mayor, Michael Lyon. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. You've been criticised for sitting on the fence, not doing enough to encourage locals to get the vaccine. What is the reason for the stance that you've taken? Well, um, it's not much on the fence, but I do respect the fact that it's a choice under the law uh, and it's a personal medical choice uh, and people need to make that choice for themselves. I like to respect that. Um, I do recommend that people refer to the public health advice. I've chosen to vaccinate myself and my my family, um, but I don't go so far as to presume to tell other people what to do. I don't tell it to my friends or my family, and and I certainly don't um, tell people I don't know. So I allow people to come to that decision to themselves. And and for those that are sort of avidly, you know, pro-vax, that are really trying to push and, and cajole, and et cetera, I actually find the best way to influence is, is that real soft touch and allow people to have the space to make that decision for themselves. Well, the reality is that the vaccines will stop death once COVID comes into your community. We know the vaccines are 90% effective in stopping cases ending up in hospital. In Byron, when COVID actually hits the community, once the state opens up, it'll stop people going to hospital and and save lives. Isn't that an important message for a mayor to be putting out? 
Well, look, it's certainly, you know, the statistics around vaccines are there um, for those, uh, for all to see. But as I said, if you, you know, it's, it's about how you're trying to influence. And, you know, in my experience, in, in this community, if you push or you sort of come a lot along the line and trying to tell people what to do, you actually harden opinion the other way. And, and I think it can be counterproductive. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. There's a lot of support from people that have vaccinated and that haven't that respect um, being given that freedom to choose mm. because that is the law. Um, and, and yes, I have received you know plenty of um, flack as well and, and that just goes with the territory. So, you Michael, know, are you worried what's going to happen when, you know, we're a few weeks away from opening up in New South Wales. Um, your double dose rate is almost half the rest of the state. Are you worried that people in your, your area are going to die because when they didn't need to because they could have been vaccinated once we open up? Yeah, it's a, it's a major concern and, and I think this is where it's really important to understand the reason that we are behind. If you look at the vaccine hesitancy figures across the Northern Rivers, we're not actually the most hesitant. We're probably about fourth in terms of the LGAs. But hesitancy, there is still a, a, a big, huge majority of our population that wants to be vaccinated, but we haven't been getting the vaccines. Now, we don't know why that is. If you take our nearest neighbours to the south in Ballina, they've been getting 1,300 doses a week now for a long time. We've been getting 300 doses a week. We've only got a third less population than than everything, like 30,000 here and 40,000 there. So it sort of doesn't really make a lot of sense that we haven't had those allocations. There's been a focus on on us and this kind of demonisation in the media as being this anti-vax capital or something. But the reality is that, one, we're we're not. We're not the most hesitant up here. Um, uh, And two... Uh, we haven't had the supply and, and there's no other LGA which has had the, the, the small supply that we've had. We've only now just started to get increased supply. We haven't had a Vax hub like some of our neighbours have had. If you look at the statistics, and just in the last two weeks, we've gone up 10%, over 10% in, in first dose percentage. So give us the supply and we, we will do our part and we will get there. I have no doubt that we will be pushing 85 um, without too much of a, a sweat. So I think that's where the focus needs to be. And we're now being put in a situation where, again, we're being blamed for not being prepared uh, for the opening date of October 11, where uh, a large amount of people, including myself, will be going back into lockdown because we haven't had the supply to be able to get our second doses yet. So I think if people deal in facts, they will actually be able to get to the, the right situation, which is what, what they want, which is to have a high vaccinated population. That was Byron's interim mayor, Michael Lyon, and it sounds like supply certainly has been part of the problem Mm. for that area, but clearly when you're at 38% double dose compared to 64% the state average, it's not just supply. Attitudes are at least a substantial part of the problem. I do wonder though, Katrina, if that will change once we see more cases in that area. So far, Mm. that part of the state hasn't seen a lot of COVID cases and therefore the damage that COVID can do, you know, putting people in hospital or, mm-hmm. or, or even tanking their lives and whether seeing that firsthand might change people's attitudes towards getting the vaccine. Yeah, and it was when those death rates really started to increase, sadly, in New South Wales, that the figures in that state really took off of people getting those vaccinations. All right, that is it for the Monday to Friday daily briefing. But of course, we have the weekend briefing with Jamila Rizvi. Jamila, who's on this week? Hello, team. This weekend, I am chatting with Christian Hull, who is a comedian, podcaster, writer, 
and content creator. You have almost certainly seen one of his viral YouTube videos. We have a really wide ranging chat about what makes things go viral, why he loves making silly, fun, frivolous content and avoiding the serious stuff, and why this seemingly extroverted guy is actually anything but. Christian likes to be alone and hey, he's alone with a lot of money. This guy <laughs> is building a literal empire. Amazing, that is the weekend briefing with Jamila Rizvi. Um, a big shout out to the hardworking team that make the briefing possible. Executive producer Dan Mullins, um, news producers Liam Kennedy and Brooke Lauvner and editor Matt Cuz-Curry and Emily Lodge who does our socials. Thank you for listening. Um, if you like the briefing, tell your friends about it. Catch you Monday. Listener.